And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We're back, everybody. It's a Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Ian Mendes, Haley Salvian with you for the next hour or so. Ahead on this podcast, Sabres netminder Craig Anderson drops by to talk about the surprising start in Buffalo and whether or not he actually considered retiring this past summer. We'll hit on some of the bigger stories as the month of October comes to a close, including significant tension in places like Chicago, Toronto, and maybe even Vegas. Terrific starts. The teams like St. Louis and San Jose will wrap it up as we always do with some multiple choice madness, looking at some options for goaltenders at Team Canada for the Olympic Games. Which unbeaten team do we think is going to stay perfect the longest this season? So we got a whole bunch of things to get to coming up in the next hour or so on this Monday edition of the show. As we say hello to Haley Salvian, who is our Calgary-based reporter, but we're finding you in Pittsburgh. Right? The Steel City is where you're at right now, waiting for the flames to arrive in Pittsburgh. So what what this was your first post-pandemic road trip, right? Like covering like like you know, yeah. work-related trip. Come on, do you got any great stories being held up at the border? Did you uh, get tasered? Anything like that? No, I wasn't no? tasered. You, I mean you weren't tased? I wasn't tased, thankfully. I'm, you know, in one piece. But it's it's weird. I mean, I haven't traveled for work since the trade deadline in 2019-20. So that would have been Columbus and Nashville with Ottawa Senators. And so that would have been, um, you know, when they traded Jean-Gabriel Pajot. And, and that was kind of the last wave of, of the, that crew of, of Sens fans. So that was the last time I was on the road for work. So this has been... Uh, a lot different. I think the process has been um, a bit more stressful. I mean, like getting the COVID test and just 
being extra careful that, you know, I, I'm always careful and safe, but like if you end up getting COVID here, like you can't go home. So I'm not trying to stay in Pittsburgh for an extra like week. Um, I would like to go home and see my dog and be back in my apartment. It's uh, So it's been a little bit more tiring. I don't know if anything crazy's happened though. You know what? The Detroit airport was incredibly stressful. Um, like I got there two hours early and it was an early flight and it was kind of stupid of me. Like I booked a 7 a.m. flight from Detroit to D.C., because I was like, well, the flames are going to practice, so I should get there early, make sure I can get to the practice rink, like get all my stuff together. So I booked the 7 a.m. flight because that was the only one that would get me there in time for practice to get to the rink. And then I realized like, oh, God, like if I have to get there at 5 a.m., I've got to leave my hotel at like 4.30. And I finished filing my story at like 2.30. I was like, do I, do I sleep for two hours or do I just <laughs> stay awake? So I'm sitting in my hotel in Detroit. Like I just stayed up. I didn't go to bed, and it was a mistake. <laughs> I was very tired. Rookie mistake. Like I know it's so bad. I, I'm so bad at booking travel. I remember the first big trip I booked. James Myrtle, our boss, was like, "What the hell are you doing?" Like I was staying in Brooklyn, and my flight flew into like Hoboken or something. He's like, "What are you doing? Like why are you in? Why are you in New Jersey?" I was like, "I don't. I don't know." <laughs> it's the flight I booked. And he's like, you're terrible at this. And I haven't gotten any better. So I didn't sleep the other day. I just stayed awake all day. And that <laughs> was not good. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's two 30, you know, you've got to get up at about four 30. So you've got a decision to make. And obviously now, first of all, are you setting backup alarms? Like, are you setting your iPhone alarm for four 15 just in case you nod off, because it all happens to us, right? We're, yeah. we're debating, should I stay up? Should I sleep? And next thing you know, you're asleep. So did you set a safety alarm? I think so. I think I set a safety alarm I for like, think so. I don't really know. Because I stay, like, I'm good at that. Like, it's a thing that I do now. If I'm just awake really late, I'd be like, ah, I'm just going to stay awake. It's a really horrible habit. Okay. And now what are you doing? Like, are you reading? Are you watching shows? Are you just on social media? Are I... you... Texting so people in a different time zone. <laughs> yeah, because I'm on the Eastern time zone, so now I can yeah. bug people on Pacific like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> hoping, hoping people are just kind of like out drinking or something and awake to entertain me. Um, no, I, I got some work done. I've been working on a, a couple of stories, so I was like, I guess I'll just keep working, pack my stuff, make sure everything's like organized and I'm ready to go. There was this weird thing, though. Like after all that, after me staying up to make sure that I'm going to get there on time for my flight to D.C. because of all the extra like checks and stuff, the Uber surge right when I was trying to leave to get there two hours early went from $30 to $95 to get to the Detroit airport for my hotel. Come and so on. I had to, yeah, it surged like crazy, probably because there's a lot of flights leaving at 7 and so I waited it out for like 15 minutes, waited for it to drop back down to 30 bucks. The Uber driver took 15 minutes to get to my hotel. So I ended up getting there 90 minutes early. And Delta, because it's so early, had like one person working. So the line to just check, check in was like completely out the door. And you can do the online check-in now, but you, they still make you like go up to the front to like get your bag tags and stuff. Like it made no sense. And then they had a drug dog. So before you go to the security line, you have to wait in line to get the dog to sniff you. 
So there was like the four different insanely long lines. I'm there a half an hour late. I haven't slept. And I'm like, I might cry at the airport. If I miss this flight, I'm going to cry. Because if I you miss a flight Dawn and I miss... <laughs> in those situations. Dawn, I'm going to cry at the airport again. Am I going to cry? Yeah. And then three hours later, he'll write back. But I'm like in the line waiting for the drug dog. And my boarding starts in like 15 minutes. Like, I still got to get this drug dog and go through security and get to my gate. I was I was freaking out. I was like, after all this, I stayed up all night just to be stressed out anyways. But do, I made it and it was fine. But Do you think was, the DEA agent and the dog were looking at you sweating oh, on the verge of tears and thinking, God, I looked for so sure, this one is definitely going to be pulled over for some secondary oh screening. God. I probably <laughs> looked so suspicious. I'm like... Like shaking my leg, like looking around, like I probably looked like, like oh my god, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to check this girl out because I'm looking around and all nervous. They probably thought I was nervous for the dog to find something in my bag. Yeah. Nope, just anxious. <laughs> just nope. don't want to miss my flight. <laughs> yeah. But so listen, anyways, it's been fine. It's it's been a little bit different, but it's been really nice to get back on the road. Like I'm, I'm the only person from like outside media traveling. So like the Flames TV people are here, but then it's just me. So you're getting like real face-to-face one-on-one time with people that you don't you don't get that anymore. Like that's yeah. not a thing right now with, with the protocols and stuff. So, you know, it's just me and, and someone being new on the beat and, you know, wanting to do the stories that I like to do, which are like features and deep dives. It's been, you know, even if I don't write a game story and even if I'm like crying at the airport, there's so much value in just being around and getting to say, oh, hey, my name's Haley. Nice to meet you after a year and a half. Like it's, it's so there's been a ton of value in it. And I'm, you know, really grateful that we're allowed to travel and stuff this year. Yeah, we're going to make sure we tag the uh, the episode that says, even though I'm crying at the airport, it's worth it. <laughs> That's going to be I'm on the, uh, the, the the description of this. <laughs> so, Haley cries again. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, look like now we're starting to travel again and you know, I've got a trip coming up too. And I think everyone's kind of looking at some, some trips. If you had to pick, and, th- and this is a question too, for our listeners, not just for us because we're in the industry, but if you had to pick one place to visit in the NHL this year to catch a game, right. has Seattle and the climate change arena now rocketed to the top of the list after watching that home opener against Vancouver on, on Saturday, like is, is Seattle now the, the place to catch a game? In the NHL? I mean, I mean, it looked really cool. It probably has to be. Like, I, I don't think the 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 atmosphere in Seattle is better than Vegas, just because of everything that the Golden Knights put on, like the crazy light, the crazy yeah. shows and stuff. Like, I think Vegas is still probably at the top of that list. But like, it, you know, there's got to be like the recency bias of saying like, I've got to go check out this new arena and watch this new team and like look at this really cool barn and like. The, the fans up against the glass just, like, adds to the whole environment. Like, it's really cool. It looks awesome. Um, the the game looked like it had a great atmosphere. I know Thomas Drance was there. I, I know a lot of, like, national media were there, too, um, just to try to capture the scene and, and set the scene and everything. It, it seems like they really put on a good show. The one thing that I didn't like <laughs> was retiring the number 32. Yeah, we need to talk about that. I, like- I didn't like it. <laughs> So they retired the number 32 because they're the 32nd franchise in the NHL. And, and then I also believe they sold 32,000 kind of seat yeah. tickets or memberships when they first put up. So yeah. I understand the number 32 has some significance to them. But retiring the number 32, not that it's like this great number in, in hockey lore, 
You know, it's not like they retired. 33 is probably a little bit more, uh, you know, famous or whatever. But 32 is not really a, it's kind of a rando number. But I don't know. I'm with you. I think it's kind of weird that they retired the number 32 right off the hop. Yeah, I think it's a little bit strange. Like when I saw it, I was just like, oh, oh I think that's kind of corny. Like I just, it is what it is. It's like, they're. it's again, they're trying to add to the the whole environment the whole thing it's like you know what let's do this awesome thing for the fans that that are in the building they're going to enjoy it they get to watch the banner etc it's going to add to the whole vibe of the thing and and maybe the fans who were in the audience thought it was cool they got to see it and they got to feel like they were a part of something so i can understand doing that for the people in the building but like watching from the outside it's just like ah it's a little bit corny for me. I yeah. saw someone tweet, and I should have fact-checked it. Did the Minnesota Wild actually retire the number one for having yeah. the best fan, the number one fans in the NHL? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did at the XL Energy Center. I'll double-check it now. As What's you're... worse? No, the number one. The number one. Like, that we're so number corny. one. Don't you think that's worse? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to fact-check this. Ugh. Like it's. I'm it, sorry, it Minnesota. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you've been through a lot in Minnesota sports, but it's corny. Oh yeah, no, they did. They did, <laughs> and I don't know if it was right away or if it was like a couple of years into it. And they do have good fans, like like really good yeah. fans. Oh yeah. In uh, in Minnesota, but you know, to 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 retire, you know, to retire a jersey number based on that, I think that's worse than than doing 32. No, like yes. Yes. That's how I, I kind of... Retire numbers for players who have done something for your organization. Oh, but see, now that sounds so rude to the fans. Like, I get it. Like, fans are such an important piece of the product and, like, what the league is and what these teams can become. But I just don't. Do a fan appreciation night. Do something tangible for your fans other than putting a banner in the stands. Like, do something for them other than that. <laughs> Is this is this now a message to Nashville about putting banners in the stands? <laughs> yeah, I like it. The pre- I like the Predators. I think they're fun. The they've like now started poking fun at themselves for the banners. I think they like their social media team made like a fake banner online, being like gave the Seattle Kraken their first win, <laughs> which I can appreciate. Now they're poking fun at themselves. Exactly. So you know what? It looks like it was the first season. The Wild did this right off the hop. Like, okay. so kind of similar. Like, like as an expansion team does a banner. Yeah. Oh, God. So maybe Seattle, like, got the idea from Minnesota. Yeah. So they, they, they held a ceremony to retire the number one uh, to honor the fans in their first year of existence. Um, and look, they, 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 like, Minnesota has a hockey mad state right like the state of minnesota is right up there with like michigan and massachusetts or wherever like wherever you want to say is the most kind of hockey mad state minnesota's right there so and, and they used to have a team the north star so i can get i can get behind the idea that they have amazing fans and they might be as passionate as any yeah. fan base in in north america yeah that's great but like we're not just saying anything about the fans yeah like no, we're not just, we're not dissing yeah. the fan bases you're awesome fans are important Fans of the game are the reason we have jobs covering the game. But yeah, the banner thing's a little weird to me. It is. But you know what I thought was cool from Seattle, Haley, was they have at the Climate Change Arena, uh, if you're a uh, person, like a pedestrian outside, there is yeah. like a, a, a big glass atrium 
that allows you to look in and you can actually see the ice surface. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, some baseball stadiums are set up like this where, you know, fan, uh, Wrigley Field is probably the best example, right? Of people on the outside getting an opportunity to watch from the, uh, you know, what's going on behind right. the, the rope, so to speak. Yeah. I think this is kind of cool. Like, I don't know what you think, but I, I think it's pretty neat that you could just be walking down the street and be like, oh, yeah, the Kraken are playing. Let's go take a peek. Not that you're going to watch an entire game from there, but it's I mm-hmm. think it's a pretty neat little feature to the rink. Yeah, it's really cool. And I think it just kind of shows the passion that that city has for hockey already, right? Like you have all these people, you know, walking to the arena or like going up to the glass and trying to like catch a peek of the game and, and catch a little piece of the environment and to try to be a part of it. I think it's really cool. And it speaks volumes, I think, to, you know, what hockey in Seattle is going to be like. The fact that you have people, you know, pressing their noses up against the glass to watch a hockey game. You know, that's great for an expansion franchise. And it's like a really cool design element. The arena looks cool. Like from a design perspective, it's awesome. And the way it just, you know, invites the fans in, whether you can be inside or not, you can still be there and be part of it. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And look, uh, like, Seattle loses their their home opener, but I think nobody really seemed to care. It was looked like an awesome mm-hmm. atmosphere, and uh, you know they're, they're off to the kind of the start we thought they might be. They're kind of languishing at the bottom of the standings of the Pacific, but as they look below them, Haley, there's the Vegas Golden Knights, and mm-hmm. that's not a thing that I thought uh, would happen. Vegas has only won one of their first five games. Um, they've only did got I one. Not say I'm one, sorry, but one power did, play goal. Did you kind of did you not I, ring some I warning did. bells about Vegas? I said this earlier and I don't, I don't know. I, I even said, I think I said like, I don't know why, but part of me thinks that the Golden Knights might take a step back this year. Yeah. Like I was not sold on them winning the division like everybody else. I thought they'd be somewhere at the top because the division's so bad. I didn't expect them to be, you know, below San Jose and Anaheim and Calgary and Seattle and and everybody in the division. But I did wonder if some of that magic was going to start to wear off and people would start to come down to earth. But okay, I think but, Robin Leonard, yeah. without the safety net of Marc-Andre Fleury, I was, you know, what's he going to look like without Marc-Andre Fleury there and having a guy to to push him? It's He wasn't just a safety net. He was like a, I'm going to keep pushing you forward. We're going to fight for this spot. It, it drives you to be better. And so far, it, I mean, you can't, those injuries are awful and that's probably a huge part of, of why they've taken this step back. But I'm surprised that that prediction has come true so quickly for me. Yeah, and we do have to to preface it by saying they're without some of their best yeah. players. Pacioretty is out. Stone has been out. Yeah. Alex Tuck is out. Uh, you know, I think Alec Martinez has been banged up. So it's not like the Vegas Golden Knights are at full strength and they're struggling. It, it, look, they're not the Maple Leafs in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. The Maple Leafs are a team that is off to a bad start, but there's not really any, I don't think there's any mitigating circumstances there. Uh, mm-hmm. There is in Vegas with, with all of those injuries, but it, it's certainly interesting to see Vegas off to this, this flat start and Toronto though, it is, it has become, it, it's become a toxic mess again. I, I mean, years ago there was uh, the situation where fans like rando fans were throwing waffles onto the ice. And this weekend we saw a Jersey thrown onto the ice and this is a team that has been a perennial playoff team now for five straight seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got their core locked up, and they look like they're spinning their tires. They're spinning their wheels. And and yeah. I don't know if 
you feel like something is going to happen if they're just going to let this play out for a little bit longer. But something is askew. Like something is amiss mm -hmm. in Toronto. Whereas Vegas, I can say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see what they look like when Stone and Patches and all those yeah. guys are back. I don't know what to say about Toronto. What about you? Well, they look they look broken again. You know, they look like the the Penguins team that they lost to in in that fashion. I think Evan Oof. Rodriguez was their number one center. There was yeah. no Chris Letang, no Evgeny Malkin, no Sidney Crosby, no Brian Rust, no Jeff Carter. Like Evan Rodriguez is your number one C. Like Kasperi Kapanen's on your top line. Like you're 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 you lost to second line Teddy Bluger, who's good player. Big. I'm a fan of his game. He's not a second line center, and that's who the Toronto Maple Leafs lost to seven one. Um, and like Myrtle did a really great piece on this, saying you know essentially the Leafs are broken again. And if this continues, the solutions aren't very simple because one of the big problems you look at it, like Mitch Marner looks like he did in the playoffs, which was a huge problem for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that solution, like in the interim, get him off that line, you know, get get Matthews clicking with somebody like William Nylander, who's been playing well even in the playoffs. Like Nylander is a good player and he probably took more, more crap than he deserved. Um Get get Marner off that Matthews line because Marner's not playing well. Matthews not playing great with him. Like the chemistry's not clicking. So that could be like a in the interim solution. But like if Mitch Marner continues this, and like this is like a long term side effect of like the vitriol in the fan base and everything that happened in the off season and everything that happened with his contract bleeding into to another year. Like how do you solve that problem? How do you fix Mitch Marner? How do you get rid of Mitch Marner, who's low on value and making way too much money for the way that he's playing right now? Um, <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're supposed to do. I think Mike Hutchinson was in net again. Get a different number three. I don't know why they went back to the well with that. It has not worked <laughs> really ever. Great guy. I wrote a story about him when he first got picked up, when the Marlies traded for him. I wrote a story about him being a Leafs fan growing up and to, you know, finally maybe get a chance at the NHL and his home team was a dream. And I wrote that story and he got called up like hours later and, and it was great. And he's a really great guy. Hasn't worked. I think Myrtle had the stat. <laughs> Overall with the Leafs, he has 10 wins, 17 losses and an 8-9-8 save percentage as a Leafs goaltender. I think you can find someone better. Yeah. Um, the blue line hasn't been great. The fan base is clearly fed up. Like, what comes next? I don't know. Um, I don't but, know. You know, we had Myrtle on the show, and and he said like this is a hard team to cover right now because none of this matters until the playoffs. Well, are they going to get there? Yeah, it's way too soon for these kind of proclamations. But I feel like with the Toronto Maple Leafs and what the fan base have seen from them, it's not really too soon to freak out at any point with this group because of the like frequent disappointments on paper. They should be way better than their record is. And it was only two big losses, but two big losses that have completely shook the fan base. Yeah. And I'll tell you the, the game. I'm uh, one of the games I'm looking forward to this week, uh, maybe in kind of a, you know, you know, the gallows humor kind of approach, Chicago, Toronto, yeah. Wednesday night, Chicago, Toronto, Wednesday night, uh, as bad as Toronto fans might think they've got it. Uh, Chicago fans are probably feeling a little bit worse. Uh, 
we were following around with uh, along with Mark Lazarus, who does a terrific job uh, as part of our team covering the Chicago Blackhawks. And on the weekend, he noted a couple of things. Number one, the extra long uh, sellout streak at the United Center has come to a crashing halt. So they have ended their long extended uh, streak of selling out games in Chicago. And they have set a new uh, NHL record. And this is not the type of record you want to set. It's uh, kind of a dubious uh, distinction. And they are now the team that has gone the longest in NHL history without ever holding a lead to start the season. Chicago's played six games. They've lost all six of them, five in regulation time. And at no point in any of those games, Haley, have they had a lead. Not even a one nothing lead at any point in a hockey game. So obviously things are getting tense in Chicago. Uh, there's a lot of people saying it's time for Jeremy Colleton to take uh, uh, you know, some heat. Maybe Stan Bowman, the general manager. Uh, Seth Jones is certainly taking some. A minus nine to start the season uh, in the first six games for him. He's logging 25 minutes of ice time uh, per night. Uh, there's lots of blame to go around in Chicago. But do you feel like the Wednesday night game, Chicago-Toronto, might be a tipping point moment for whoever loses that game? Maybe I like it. It's going to be an interesting game. Um, I guess if you're a Leafs fan, you can look at it. I don't even know if you can. I was going to say like, if you're a Leafs fan, you could at least look at Chicago or like Montreal and be like, well, at least it's not that bad. But, you know, Chicago was a team that it was never a sure thing that the things they did in the offseason were going to work. Whereas the Leafs, it's like, you know, we've got all these players that we're running it back to to make this work because it has to, because this is all where we put all we put all of our eggs in these baskets, right? So um I don't know. Like I honestly can't see Sheldon Keefe. Like if the Leafs lose that game, like you're gonna fire Sheldon Keefe, like after he has a winning record still, like what's firing Sheldon gonna do? Who are you gonna hire? Who's gonna fix that group? Like I don't think it's the coach's fault. Like if the players aren't playing the systems or the players aren't, you know, playing with a passion or heart. Like, I don't know if I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and say like Sheldon Keefe, you are the problem. You are gone. So I don't know if it's like a coaches or, you know, axes are going to go down on coaching staffs. I, I feel like for the Blackhawks, it's maybe a little bit different. Like, uh, that might be, uh, you know, okay, now coach is gone. <laughs> We've, what, lost seven games straight. Um, like, the ownership has to – they're going to have to do something at some point. They went and spent so much money, gave up all this draft capital for these pieces, and they have not won a single game. So I think it's a little bit different for the ownership in Chicago. Like, if Rocky Wirtz is looking at this and it's like, how much money did they spend on Seth Jones? To be on the ice for like five goals at five on five against in one single game against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, so I feel like the stakes are a little bit different. I think, um, I mean, if the Leafs lose in embarrassing fashion again, maybe something could happen. But I feel like the stakes are a little bit different for the Blackhawks because they went all in with this money. And like just an aside, I think it's important. We say we talked about this off camera too, Ian, like it's a little bit rich that we're talking about make these sweeping changes get rid of the coach or get rid of the gm because they've lost six games you know now now that's enough you know you lose seven straight and that's enough stan bowman you're gone now you're done this is where i draw the line with chicago not you know everything that we've talked about in the summer with these accusations of sexual assault from from one of their uh 
training staff. So that's one of the important things. I think we got to, you know, there's the hockey that we're talking about, but like we've got to keep the perspective too of like, that's not the biggest problem with this organization. But when we're talking about on ice, yeah, they're probably going to make some changes. It'll just be so very hockey if like losing seven games is what creates change in that front office. Yeah. And and look, we'll have to see what happens there in Chicago. Like what's the protocol here if you're Duncan Keith? Duncan Keith is on the Edmonton Oilers. They're five and oh. Do you, are you, if you're Duncan Keith, do you send anything on the group text chat with your old buddies, your old teammates? Or you Probably just, not. You, you just ghost them right now because I, yeah. there's nothing you can text that's going to make them feel better. You're five and oh playing yeah. alongside McDavid and Dreisaitl who are off to their usual terrific starts. Your team hasn't lost. And you look at the standings and your old team is at the bottom and uh, they're struggling. I, I don't think if you're Duncan Keith, you don't text your old teammates right now, do you? I don't think there's anything you can say other than like, sorry, boys. Yeah. <laughs> and even that, it just comes off as insincere being like, Haha. <laughs> our records are almost completely opposite. <laughs> Tough one. That's why I got out, you know? You know, and, and look, as much as we, I think sometimes as hockey fans, we we gravitate towards the kind of the, the the smoldering fires and the negative stories. Like, look, and obviously Chicago, Toronto, and we mentioned Vegas, they're off to bad starts. So sometimes we're more naturally, I find we'll gravitate towards those stories. But I want to hit on a couple of kind of upbeat stories so far this season. And I think that's going to serve as a perfect segue when we bring Craig Anderson onto the podcast here in, in, in a few moments, Haley, because Buffalo has been a great early season mm-hmm. story. But what about San Jose? And yeah, I know they lost on Sunday to Boston, but Sharks are four and one. Logan Couture, Timo Meyer off the great starts. Eric Carlson mm-hmm. more than a point a game. Uh, are we starting to rethink San Jose in that Pacific division, given the fact that Vegas is off to a flat start? Seattle maybe hasn't sort of come out of the gates, you know, with any sort of authority. Mm-hmm. That maybe there is an opening in that Pacific division, and maybe just maybe Couture and Timo and Thomas Hurdle and you know Burns and Carlson and company. There's enough talent there that maybe San Jose can put this together because they are real. They've been fun to watch. They've been a surprising team, and I think they deserve a lot of credit at four and one. Yeah, I think so. I think um, you know James Reimer had a good game the other day. He had like a thirty save performance. Um, I think against Toronto. Um, so like getting good goaltending, which they did not have last year. That was a big problem. Um, getting good goaltending has been, been good for the Sharks. And I think they've just kind of created this identity for themselves, which I think we can probably say they didn't have in years previous. Like we didn't really know what the Sharks were. When we talked about the San Jose Sharks in the past, it was like, oh man, they're handcuffed to these bad contracts and like they're going to be bad for a while. And like Doug Wilson's not going to be able to get out of this. But now we can kind of look at the Sharks and say like, this is a competitive group. Like they're really, um, they're kind of feisty and they're and they're working hard and, and you know, they're playing pretty gritty and they battle. And those all sound like hockey cliches, but those are things that they're doing that, that work um, because they haven't lost a game yet. So, you know, I think it's probably too soon to call them like a Stanley Cup contender. It's hard to, you know, do the standings watch early in the season because, you know, we're about a weekend and, you know, things have been so chaotic. Um, I think it's been kind of awesome to watch the chaos to start the year with the teams that 
are, are winning games that we probably didn't expect, like Buffalo and, and, and San Jose. I think the Sharks, like I said, have created this identity for themselves early on in the year, and and it's obviously working for them. I think they've probably been energized by their early season efforts, and they're kind of buying into to the systems and the style of play that they know they need to do to keep winning, and it's easy to keep playing that way when you're when you're winning games. So. I'm not going to call them a Stanley Cup contender yet. I'm going to say it's been fun to watch and I enjoy the chaos. Um, But, you know, I think, yeah, there could be a a chance to sneak in in the Pacific Division. Like we've said, it's not a great division. Um, We don't know what Seattle's going to be, if they're going to start to get better throughout the year once they get more chemistry and they've played together more. Um, Maybe they'll start to take steps in the right direction and um, maybe a team like Anaheim will start to get better once their younger players get more games under their belt. Um, I don't really know what some of those teams in the Pacific are going to be in a couple of months. And, and same goes for San Jose. Is this just early season hot streak or is this for real? It's way too soon to tell, um, but it'll be kind of interesting. That's going to be one of the really interesting ones to track. Yeah. And and, and the other one I want to hit on before we get to to, to Craig Anderson here is – in the central division where Minnesota and St. Louis, I wasn't sure on both of these teams. I didn't know what to expect. They're both four and Oh, uh, Minnesota, obviously in the off season, significant changes. They said goodbye to Suter. They said goodbye to Parisi. They signed uh, Kaprizov to the big contract. He hasn't scored a goal yet. And I'm sure that's going to be fine. He's got five assists in five games, but they're off to a four and Oh start. I wasn't sure about St. Louis Haley. I like what, like I almost thought they were giving me some San Jose vibes where it was like, they got a lot of really good players, but maybe they're they're ready to start. Uh, the the arrow was going to point downwards. Yeah, Tarasenko is there. Does he want to be there? He's got four points in four games, and St. Louis is unbeaten. Like I think those are two great stories to start the season. Minnesota and St. Louis both being four and zero here in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean it's it's other ones that are just it's just cool to see like the teams that we probably didn't expect were were going to be like like this, um, performing well, I think, um, you know, it's funny saying that, you know, we were focusing on the negatives, but I saw a tweet from Dom this morning saying like scrolling a timeline, looking for the temper tantrum for the one, four and O Vegas golden Knights. Like, I feel like some, I, feel, I don't know. I don't know what people are maybe paying attention to. Cause I really haven't seen that many people freaking out about Vegas. I haven't seen that many people Talking about St. Louis specifically, you know, off to a hot start, it's been like I've seen a lot of Edmonton. I've seen a lot of Chicago, a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs because, you know, Leafs are such a loud (laughs) voice in in this hockey space. But, yeah, I think these teams deserve a ton of credit. It's not not easy to go on a win streak to start the year. Um, I think we're probably seeing the benefits of, like, full training camps this year. I I think it was so hard to, like – I think one of the reasons why maybe we're so surprised – at a lot of stuff that's happened to start this year is because we've all put a little bit too much stock into what happened last year. And to me, what wasn't like a real hockey season, 56 games, teams are playing the same six, seven teams all season. You're in this bubble. Players can't even like meet each other half the time. Like, I don't know what it was like in Ottawa, but the Flames dressing room was split into two. So you had guys coming in, signing in Calgary, who barely got to actually meet their teammates, except when you're on the ice at practice, like you're completely split. So a lot of the stuff that happened last year, I just don't think we can put a lot of weight in it. So, you know, Montreal not being very good, only winning one, they're one in five so far. I mean, they don't have Carey Price. Um, They have, you know, 
No Shea Weber. They've got significant injuries. Pieces went out the door. Philip Deneau is gone. Um, Thomas Tatar is gone. Like, I don't think we would probably expect Montreal to be good this year. Um, but maybe some people were because they went to the cup final and what was a really weird season with the North Division. So I feel like some of the reason we're so surprised with a lot of this stuff is that we're focusing on what happened last year. Um, instead of looking at like, Hey, the blues probably had a really good training camp. They made some, you know, they did some stuff this summer. They've got all their guys there. You know, they got everyone re-signed and they're just a good hockey team. So they've won all their games. Um, so I don't know if the blues are something that's like overly surprising. I think they just, they did what they needed to do this summer and they're just good (laughs) because they're a good team. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Haley, uh, this is a great treat. Great treat for me because as a member of the 40 club, I'm in my 40s now, it's rare that I can bring in an active NHLer who's in kind of the same boat as me. But I've, I've been a huge fan of, uh, of this goaltender for a long time. Always uh, treated me with, uh, with the utmost respect. And uh, you got one season, right, Haley, with, with, um, with Craig Anderson uh, as, a, as a beat writer, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, like one season that ended early. Yeah. Due to COVID-19, so one partial season, yes. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's bring him in. He is a uh, now the goaltender with the Buffalo Sabres, off to a terrific start. And I, I would say this has been one of the best stories of this season. We say hello on the Athletic Hockey Show to Buffalo goaltender Craig Anderson. Andy, how are you doing? Good. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me out here. Hey, listen, thank you. Thank you for uh, for taking the time. So listen, Haley and I were, were kind of uh, you know batting this around last week as we are thinking about potential guests, and we just thought, you know what? You're a great story. The Sabres are a great story. Can you maybe give our listeners a little sense of how, uh, what's the mood like right now inside your locker room as you guys are off to a, a terrific start this season? I think right now, I think we're, we're um, you know, the mood has been been light and it's been good. I think right from the start of training camp, um, the way we've been treated from the coaching staff, um, management, you know, ownership, right, right all the way through. It's been a, it's been, a, it's been a nice treat. Um you know, I think, uh, you know, the message has been clear, you know, from the coaching staff with the guys on, on how we want to play and it's okay to make mistakes and, and, you know, guys are playing with, uh, you know, a loose grip, so to speak, as opposed to, um, you know, stressing every little play and every little detail and every mistake there, there's been a, a nice uh, sense of relief from, from that side of point with, um, with what these guys have been able to do as far as, uh, mentally, but also physically just, just to kind of go out there and play hockey. Can you maybe take us, you know, back to the summer, Craig? I mean, what, what made you, you know, choose the Buffalo Sabres and, and did you think about retiring this summer? Like, can you just take us through your summer and how you ended up in this spot? 
Um, you know, I think, you know, we, we ended up taking the family to Hawaii in, in, I think it was June or July. I think it was July, right after uh, 4th of July, we headed out there and I was on full summer mode, full like relaxation, like hanging out, whatever. Um, hadn't really thought too much about playing. And then, um, you know, started thinking about, all right, well, I'm going to start getting in shape, try to, you know, if something were to happen, um, you know, kind of be ready just, just to know that, Hey, like if, if the opportunity arises, I, I know that I'm confident that I can go in there and, and, you know, I'm in shape to do it. Um, and that kind of started the, the, the ball rolling and then, you know, free agency opened up and, you know, it just so happened that, uh, my agent and the Buffalo Sabres, you know, we're talking the morning of, and they were in need of a goalie and, you know, they were trying to figure out what to do. So, um, you know, it was kind of, it wasn't expected. It was just kind of, you know, opportunity kind of came together. Um, you know, it was almost like too good to, to, to be true and just, you know, it's too hard to pass up. I think for me, it was just one of those things where, um, you know, last year was kind of a, a great year to, to be in that mentor role and, you know, play sparingly. And uh, I kind of enjoyed still being around the guys and being around the room and, and competing when, when you got the opportunity. So, um, you know, I felt that, uh, you know, I could still give back to the game a little bit and, and still compete and uh, gave it a shot. And what's I mean, what's the conversation like? I think for, for people who've known you for a long time know that, uh, you know, you're a family guy. Your wife, Nicole, has been very much, uh, you know, at the forefront. Um, what what was that conversation like? Because I'm sure that there's a part of your family that as much as they love uh, that, that you get to, to continue to live out your dream, they probably would love to have dad and, and a husband back full time. What was that conversation like in terms of um, the family knowing that, Hey, listen, listen, I, I got at least one more year here as a, as a full-time NHL goalie. Yeah. That conversation was, um, it was actually, we had friends over at the house um, and, you know, I stepped away to take a phone call and come back and say, Hey, this is kind of what's going on. And, you know, everyone's got, you know, margaritas and, and wine and whatnot going. It was just kind of like, all right, see you later. <laughs> like, that, that's pretty much how it went. He's like, well, whatever you want to do. That, that was kind of the response was if you want to go play, go play. And, you know, we know how to, to handle it and, you know, we'll go from there. But, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty much a, a lighthearted conversation that didn't have much thought, uh, you know, or much, um, you know, restriction on, on the conversation. So. I, I mean, I've got to ask, and it's just funny the way that Ian introed this as like a, he says he's a proud member of the 40 club. And I saw your wife, Nicole tweet, uh, recently, you know, I keep reading about this 40 year old man. I mean, how does it feel when everyone is just talking about this, like great story of this, like 40 year old man who's still playing the NHL? Like, do you hear that? And you're like, well, you don't have to bring up my age all the time. You can just talk about my save percentage if you want to. <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously, I think it's it's you know, obviously, as, as players get older, they're they're um, you know, I, I think the league's gone younger. It's it's rare to have a guy that that's you know approaching forty or in in his forties playing. I mean, we've got several of them this year still playing. So, um, but it, it it is definitely on the rarer side. So there's always going to be comments about it. Um, you know, and it, it's just about managing, you know, managing the game and managing your, your body. I mean, you don't recover the way you used to, and you have to, you know, be a little bit smarter about the way you, you handle them, um, you know, off days, practice days and game days, you just, your routine has to change. And, 
you know, I think that's kind of the thing is, is mentally though, it's, it's, you know, we're that much more experienced. We understand it. We, we can, you know, we understand what we have to do to, to be ready and, and, you know, you, you adapt and that's, that's what this is all about. It's just about adapting and, and being the, the best, you know, version of you at, at whatever age it might be. And inside a game, Andy, is there, is there, um, I guess an evolution that's occurred, like just in terms of in game, if you could compare the Craig Anderson that we see on the ice now with Buffalo and go way back and whether it's your time with the, the Panthers or with the Avalanche or even your early days with Ottawa, is there a, is there much of a change on the ice with you as you've kind of, um, you know, evolved and matured in the league? Um, you know, I, I think that I, I'm probably a little bit more um, aware of, of situational play. You try to read the play a little bit better. I mean, you know, everybody knows as you get older, you don't move as quick. You don't, uh, your reaction types, you know, starts to go. Um, and you just have to be a little bit smarter. You got to try to read the play a little bit better. And you, you just, you know, you can't be uh, overexerting yourself and wasting energy. I think that's probably the biggest thing. You got to be a little bit more calm, a little more under control. And, um, you know, every game, every practice, you're, you're trying to learn and adapt, right? You go through video, you say, all right, what am I, what, what area of your game is struggling? How, how can you improve it? Um, that kind of drive to be excellent is, is, you know, kind of a, it's a, you know, it's, it's double-edged sword, right? So on one side, it's great. You always want to improve the other time you're, you're still mentally always battling yourself. All right. How can I get better? And, um, you know, you never really find that kind of Zen moment where you're like, all right, I'm, you never really content, right? You always, you're always, uh, you get pulled in, in two different directions at all times. You you already mentioned the the coaching staff in Buffalo and and how great it's been working with them. But I want to ask specifically about someone like Don Granado. I mean, we we hear a lot about his ability to develop young players. Obviously, his work with the U.S. National Team Development Program. What have you, I guess, kind of seen and, and learned about Don Granado playing for him uh, to start the season? Don, he's uh, you know very calm. His demeanor is very calm. The way he speaks to the players is very calm. Um, there's always a purpose behind every conversation behind every idea. There's, there's a purpose and, and it, he makes his purpose known, right? It's not just, Hey, this is the way we're doing it. And that's because I say so it's, it's, this is the way we're doing it because X, Y, and Z follows. Right. So, um, it's, it's really easy to kind of get behind that message, um, and understand that, Hey, you're going to make mistakes. It's a game of mistakes, but you're not going to get yelled at. You're going to get yelled at if you make the same mistakes over and over, if we keep talking to you about the same thing. So, um, you know, everything has, has been quick to digest, quick to adjust. Um, and again, allowing the guys to play with that kind of calm feeling of, Hey, I, I know he wants them to make plays. He knows we want to play with the puck. He knows we want to have the puck, um, you know, and in knowing that the guys can play loose, uh, allows guys to play their natural ability, which allows them to grow as players and, and not just, uh, you know, be tense. I did what the coach told me and it didn't work. So I'm in the clear. No, there's, 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 there's accountability on both sides. So like there's a kind of a guideline to play with under, but then under that guideline, you still got to make the right reads and the right plays. And, and that's what he allows the guys to do. As, as you look ahead to the schedule, you know, last year you played in Washington, but because of the divisional setup um, and, and the COVID bubble, you never had a chance to come back to Ottawa. And that uh, will be the case this year. January 18th is the date. And then uh, Sabres come back the week after. Two visits to uh, Ottawa in January. It would seem likely that you would uh, you know get one of those starts. 
Have you circled that date on the calendar? Have you thought about what it might be like to walk into that arena that you were a goalie here for about a decade? Uh, have you thought about what that, uh, what emotions might come through uh, when you come back to Ottawa and maybe face the Senators? Um, you know, honestly, I really haven't looked too much into it. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I actually had to go to Ottawa last weekend to grab some of my winter clothes because I left it all there. Um, you know, so I was there with my buddy and he was like, oh, you guys are coming twice in the same name. I'm like, oh, okay. So now this is like the second time I've heard it in the last week. And I, I, I really still haven't put any thought on it. Um, you know, I, I don't, I think it'd be exciting. I think it's going to be, um, you know, obviously the fan base there is great. You know, the town is awesome. Like just the people there support their, their, the community and the players so well. So, um, I am looking forward to getting back there, but you know, it's hard to say how I'm going to react or how, um, emotional I may get. Okay. So quick follow up here. So you actually physically came back to Ottawa to get your winter clothes? Like, what are we talking about here? Sweaters, jackets? Like, wh- and why didn't you just ship them down to Buffalo? Well, honestly, because, well, there, there's a second side of this. And if, if, if you know me, uh, my racing simulator was still sitting up there that I had to go grab. So ah, there we go. That, that was kind of the main purpose. But yes, there was there was uh, multiple winter hats, winter scarves, gloves, et cetera, that, that needed to come down as well. But uh, shipping a uh, full sim was not in the cards and it's, it was only about four and a half hours to get uh, to get there from here buff you know i was trying to do the speed loon as best i could but um <laughs> you know it, it's you know it felt like it felt weird kind of going back and come crossing the border and, and kind of driving through the same area again and um you know it was kind of like nostalgic but at the same time it was like all right this is um you know it's 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 i'm not here anymore and that's it, that's just kind of the way you know the hockey world goes and, and sorry, when you when you go through customs and they're like reason for visit, do you say to pick up my racing simulator and some scarves? <laughs> I, I I did not say racing simulator. I did say I, I, I left all my winter clothes and stuff belongings there um, when the season ended there in March a couple of years ago. And I've, I've never gotten back for it. So um, it was kind of funny. That was like the only car that crossed like within an hour. And the guy's like, I know who you are. I know what you're doing. It's not a big deal. But when I put your, uh, you know, the information in the computer and hit the enter button, uh, you're randomly selected for a COVID test. I'm like, okay. Probably cool. used to those this season. I would well, I, mean, I, mean, I, had, I had like two in the last two days, right? It was one of those yeah. things where like, hey, I, I know what you're doing and I know I get it. But at the same time, I can't override the computer. So, um, yeah, go stop in line up there. Uh, it, was, it was just kind of comical the way it all played out. Oh, that's, at least it wasn't like you're trying to get your turtles across the border or something. That was yeah, Braden Holpe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no turtles, no snakes. Uh, I got, no. I got nothing. Just, just some hats and a racing simulator. Um, you know, one of the things I want to ask: just there's been a lot of noise around the Buffalo Sabers um, with Jack Eichel, with players who left in the off season, with um, you know this second attempt or revamped attempt at a rebuild. How do you and the team block all that out? Um, obviously, you're off to a great start. We already touched on that. Um, and everyone seems to be very surprised by it. So how do you guys approach a season where there's just so much external noise? Um, I think the biggest message for anybody that's kind of in our room and whatnot, it's not what you don't have. It's what you do have. And if you focus on what you don't have, nothing good can happen. Um you know, so I think as, as we kind of turn to each other and look at each other, it's, it's what can we do with the 20 guys or 22 guys in the room? What can we do as a group um, to come together and play well 
as a single group. If, if you start worrying about what you don't have um, and you worry about what other teams may have, you're not focusing on the proper message. And that's, that's, you know, like I said, that starts from, you know, Don Granato, um, you know, and what his message is to us. And that kind of trickles down. So his message to us was, you know, we've got, we've got players to play. We got players that want to play. We've got, you know, a great bunch of guys that support each other. You know, he never, ever talks about what we don't have. And he never talks about how great some other teams are and what they have, because it doesn't matter. It matters what we do and, and what we collectively do as a group. And that's, that's the message. And that's how we're, we're doing the daily approach. And, and did maybe Craig, did some of those last, your last couple of years in Ottawa, where you guys went through a little bit of some tough stuff in terms of on the ice, did that, does that sort of prepare you for a season like this in Buffalo where you, you know what your role is and you know, you've got experience in blocking out the noise, I guess. Yeah, I think, I think that's, you know, as far as from the management standpoint and coaching standpoint, you know, they rely on the older guys in the room to try to, you know, continue the message. Right. You know, so as soon as the coach leaves the room, it's real easy for everybody to go, well, that didn't make any sense and screw this guy and that guy and whatever. And and then that kind of gets lost. Right. So um, having a good veteran presence in the room allows the coach's message to continue right with the players that, that, uh, you know, have been there, done that, that allow, don't allow the the negativity to creep in. And, and that's, you know, it, it's a role that, you know, um, not everybody can do, not everybody is expected to do, but you know, when a guy does it well, um, you know, magical things can happen and, and the group becomes close and you start playing for each other and you never know if you could be a pesky sin or not. Um, you know, based on, you know, again, that, that year we, we went to the playoffs with the pesky sins. We, we were missing two of our best players with injury all year. So, you know, again, it's, it's not what you don't have. It's what you do have and, and you make the most of it. Pesky Sabres. Pesky Sabres. It doesn't have the same ring. No, I know. I'm trying so. to think. This is Ian's thing. Ian's the like punny guy. Usually yeah. uh, it's not, not my forte. I don't enjoy the, the dad jokes, but uh you know, just just sticking with the players that you do have, Craig. Is there anybody who stands out for you on the team as somebody who could have a real breakout season, or or just a standout season? Because I guess breakout kind of is usually for a younger player who hasn't really announced themselves yet. But is there anybody who you can see early on that's going to have a big year for the Sabers? Um, it's hard to tell. I mean, like I said, I think the way things have kind of gone, you, you know, we've we've got, you know, I think two power play units, right? We don't rely on one too many, uh, you know, that each one kind of shares equally. There's not really a, a powerhouse loaded up one. And I mean, um, you know, I think it's just, it's hard to say there's a bunch of young guys that, that they're stepping up that, that might have, uh, you know, breakout years. It's hard. It's, it's really hard to kind of narrow it down to, to just one guy. So, um, you know, I'm kind of, there's going to be, weeks where one guy maybe gets hot and then there'd be another week where another guy gets hot and you just, you know, you kind of enjoy the moment for those guys and you kind of try to build off of it. But, um, you know, putting something together for 82 games is, is definitely difficult. Um, you know, you, it, you know, you try to ride the waves, make the mounds as big as you can and make the valleys as small as you can. So, um, you know, we'll just have to kind of wait and see how things play out. But as of right now, um, you know, we're just uh, trying to do this as collectively as possible. You know, and Craig, you've lived in a bunch of of cities now, and I've always thought Buffalo is actually sneaky good. Like it's underrated. It's a it's a nice city, and sometimes I think externally, 
Um, there's not a great reputation in, in a place like Buffalo, but it is. It's a nice city. I think the people are super friendly. Um, what's it been like just from an off-the-ice perspective kind of moving to a city like uh, like Buffalo and, and moving into western New York? Uh, so far, it's been great. You know, I know, um, you know, obviously the crowds have been, you know, half full type thing, um, you know, due to whatever, you know, has been going on. Um, you know, obviously we've got COVID and, and, you know, expectations, et cetera, but, um, you know, they bring good energy, you know, every fan that I've had interaction with off the ice, as far as has been, you know, positive and encouraging and, and that's great to see, um, you know, so far, you know, I've been able to find some great restaurants. Um, you know, I guess there's a lot of Italians and Irish people here. So there's a lot of great things to do as far as for food and, and entertainment. So, uh, and then you got the Bills Mafia to kind of get behind as well. So there's 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 tons to do here. Um, you know, we've got had some great weather too so far. So um, you know, I'm not looking forward to scraping 16 inches of snow off the car. But um, <laughs> you know, when that time comes, I'll, I got the, the winter clothes now from Ottawa, so I'll be ready to do it. <laughs> you have your scarves. Yeah, exactly. finally. Um, are you going to jump on the Bills bandwagon, or are you football guy, Craig? I think you have to. I think uh, they're they're they've they've uh, played well. They're energetic. They've got great fan base. I think it's one of those things where, you know, you support the local team, and um, you know, like I said, they, they give you a lot of uh, a lot of good things or a lot of reasons to, to to cheer for them. The fan base, they're they're animals. I've been oh, to yeah. Bills games, and you're walking up to go uh, to the field, and guys are like jumping through tables, and I'm like, oh. Okay. I remember the first Bills game I went to. It was wild. Like the, the fan base is pretty fun. Yeah. Now, are you, as you move into Western New York, are, Buffalo is known for chicken wings. Is Craig Anderson a chicken wing guy? I have not had any chicken wings in Buffalo yet. Um, There's one place no. that's really famous, Anchor, apparently. Anchor Bar. Anchor, Anchor Bar, bar is Apparently, Anchor Bar is like the, the original or the, the oldest, but apparently it's not the best from what I hear from some of the locals. So I'm not, I don't know. Haven't tried them all out. I might, uh, you know, we'll have to start dabbling into that uh, market here soon. <laughs> I guess the the last question for me, um, just just back to to the team here. Last one is just, you know, one of our colleagues here at the Athletic, John Vogel, did a great piece about, um, you know, Kyle Okpozo's kind of resurgence so far this season. What stands out to you about Kyle? Um. His work ethic, he brings it every day. He's a guy that's been around a long time and he understands that, uh, you know, don't take any day for granted. Um, I know he put in a lot of off-season work and that's starting the show and come through. So, um, like I said, it's a guy that, you know, we all kind of look to, um, you know, from the from the skater standpoint. Um, you know, I know he, he takes his, his role and does it well. You know, I think, um, you know, he plays some power play, plays some PK, plays whatever, you know, whatever the role might be, you know, he does it to the best of his ability and, and gives it 110%. So um, there's no, like I said, no off days for him and, and he leads by example and a guy that we all kind of look to for, you know, for experience and, um, you know, guidance. All right. Final and final question here for me. And I'm going to ask you this, Craig, because Haley now covers the Calgary Flames. And I don't think enough people in the hockey world, since this is a national show, Understand or remember that not only was Craig Anderson drafted by the Calgary Flames, but Craig Anderson spelled his name differently when when that happened. So if you could, Craig, for the benefit of our listeners and for Haley, who probably doesn't know this story, can you explain why you spelled your last name with two S's when you were drafted by the Calgary Flames back in the day? 
I was, that was like three decades ago, guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, when I was in uh, what grade six, I think we went on like a, a hockey tournament trip to Sweden and we spent, you know, 10 days there, lived with a billet family, et cetera. And, um, you know, coming back from, from Sweden and, you know, we have a, my family's got a Norwegian history, et cetera. Um, you know, my dad and I thought it was a great idea. Um, I don't know if it was a great idea or it was just an idea that to put two S's on the name, just kind of to be a little bit different. Um, you know, so from pretty much grade seven through the OHL and into the draft year, I, I played with two S's and then, um, you know, I think since it wasn't a legal registered name, um, the NHL went back to one S there, I think in Chicago after my first year. So what, like, but when you were drafted by Cal- like, do you still have the Jersey, the Anderson with two S's from draft day with Calgary? Uh, no. So the draft, since it was 99, there was no name and number on the jerseys. They were just blank numbers. Um, oh, I've got, you know what? I don't even know. I know my dad just bought the Calgary, um, Jersey on eBay that I wore in training camp. I don't know if it was number 60 or what number it was. I have to go back and look. Um, and I, you know, honestly, I, I believe that had two S's and even my first year in Chicago, those, and then in Norfolk, those jerseys all had two S's on it. So, um, yeah, it's, like I said, it's one of those things that's it's in the past, um, you know, and it's never really brought up until, you know, someone that's my age decides to go back in history and live in a time machine here. See, this is the, this our, it's our glory days. Like now it's what Ian brings to the podcast. Is exactly. The... I, I have great <laughs> Seinfeld jokes, Craig, that go right over Haley's head. Okay. I'm not that young. Get... I've seen Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Are you guys on the Curb Your Enthusiasm bandwagon too? Oh, or? yeah. I have That's Haley's said, show. I, I really, honestly, I, I watch some of the things that Larry David does. And I'm like, yeah, that seems like me. That's my personality. Very cranky and dry and sarcastic. It's, I love it. Yeah. I've <laughs> smashed a few, um, you know, smoke detectors in my life. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. My smoke detector, you ask, ask Ian, we'll be recording the podcast. Yeah. The smoke detector starts going off like every time. We record, so I've gotten very close to like full curb your enthusiasm. Well, Larry. <laughs> well, Larry, like, yeah, yeah. I, I might soon if it happens. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, Craig, really appreciate you dropping by the Athletic Hockey Show. Like I said, uh, it's always great to connect with you. Uh, best of luck as uh, you guys hopefully continue uh, your terrific start to the season. And then fingers crossed we'll see you in Ottawa in January with your scarf, with your winter stuff. Uh, we look forward to uh, to that visit. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
All right, Haley, that, that was a great conversation with Craig Anderson. I love that he he kind of retold the story there of being drafted by Calgary and having a last name with two S's, so Anderson with two S's, so that it looked like he was a Swedish goalie. And until the league was like, when they went to register the the contract or everything, and they're like, uh, you can't be doing that. It's so funny. Just like, that's not your legal last name. We're going we're gonna to drop that S. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was great. I also thought the uh, his anecdote of yeah, I just drove up to Ottawa to pick up my winter clothes and like yeah, yeah obviously it's going to get simulator. cold in Buffalo, but at least he has his scarves now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he is such a uh, for people who don't know, he's such a uh, fanatic about uh, race car driving, and and so he has that full simulator inside of his house, and that so that's what he was, I guess, bringing down to. Uh, to Buffalo. So anyway, it's yeah. uh it was a great conversation, enlightening, and I just just a great start to the year for the Buffalo Sabres, and we really thank Craig Anderson uh for, for taking a few minutes. So Haley, we're gonna wrap up the show. Speaking of goaltenders, my first question in multiple choice badness is goaltender related. So let me ask you this here, Haley. If Carey Price can't play for Canada, we gotta give some credit to Pierre Lebrun, our uh uh senior writer with the athletic, and Pierre was able to obtain the list of goaltenders that Hockey Canada submitted to the IOC saying, these are the goalies we want to be considered for the Olympics, and we'd like an exemption because Carey Price's status is uncertain. So they were able to get five additional goalies on top of Carey Price to potentially be in their pool of goalies. And these are goalies who now have to be consistently uh, tested and, and, and a myriad of things um, that they're subjected to now in the next few weeks before mm-hmm. they make a decision. Here's my question. If Carey Price cannot play for Canada at the Olympic Games. Haley, which goalie would instill the most confidence for fans north of the border? Is it A, Marc-Andre Fleury, B, Jordan Bennington, C, Darcy Kemper, D, Carter Hart, or E, Mackenzie Blackwood? All of them are on the list. If Price can't go, who should be backstopping Canada at the Olympic Games, Haley? It's really hard to answer that right now because, like, you know, I think maybe some people would, you know, based on reflex, say Marc-Andre Fleury, it's flowery. He's got this, like, great history. You know, he won the Vesna last year, but, you know, he hasn't been playing very good in Chicago. And he had, I guess, a history of, you know, I think people always just think back to that World Juniors where he, like, went out and played the puck and, you know, gave it away and, and lost the game. So I don't know if Marc-Andre Fleury is someone who would instill confidence in terms of the national team. Like, I just don't know if that's a thing for for Flower, and I'm a big fan of his. Um, I think it'd be great if he can rebound, but that would probably require the Blackhawks to rebound also, and we don't really know if that's going to happen. So, you know, if his stats are, you know, continue to be poor – I don't think he's going to instill much confidence. Um, playing for Team Canada with a blue line that Team Canada is going to have would be completely different than playing for Chicago. So maybe, but maybe that's just like a bias that I have and a lot of people probably have for Marc-Andre Fleury is that he's just the nicest guy and, and everybody likes him so much. Um, right now, like I, I wonder if Jordan Bennington's a guy that people look to. I mean, he was great in that Stanley Cup playoff. He's, he's you know, 4-0 and so far. Um, his, his individual stats are fine. His save percentage is around 920 right now, I think. So um, maybe Bennington. He's he's a younger guy. He's won a cup. He's he's had a good start with the St. Louis Blues. He'll maybe I'll, maybe I'll go with Bennington. Yeah. I, no, nobody jumps off that group for me right now. Being yeah. like, this, yeah, like I, Darcy Kemper. Yeah. 
nobody is jumping off the page as like, yeah, (laughs) that's the guy. So maybe I'm just going to default to Bennington because he's had a pretty good start. Yeah. And you know what? I want, if Kerry, look, Kerry Price has played on the Olympic stage multiple times. He's right. And he's won a gold medal for Canada. 2014, I guess, was his only um, Mm -hmm. Olympic experience, but he won a gold medal. Uh, He's played in, in the pressure packed environment of the Bell Center. I want somebody who's going to be somewhat pressure treated. And mm-hmm. as I look at this, I think it might be Jordan Bennington because, and I know that Fl- Flower has obviously done it, but like you said, he's off to a shaky start. There's been a little bit of history where sometimes in big pressure moments lately, he's been replaced or struggled. So I'll go Bennington. He won a Stanley Cup. Kemper, Hart, and Black. I feel like Hart and Blackwood mm-hmm. would be great third goalies. They're young, like maybe down the road, they could be your guy. Mackenzie Blackwood, we should point out on Monday. Uh, was reported that he did, in fact, receive his first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. And I think that's Mm -hmm. largely done, Haley, because if he didn't get vaccinated, Mm -hmm. he wouldn't be eligible to play for Canada at the Olympic Games. So uh, that's obviously a storyline. I just think it might be Jordan Bennington for me because he's played in the Stanley Cup final and he's won. Whereas, like, Kemper wouldn't have played too many meaningful games in Arizona, even though he was very good there. He wouldn't have played too many Mm -hmm. games that really mattered. Carter Hart, same right. thing. Mackenzie Blackwood, same thing. Sign me up. I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you, Haley. Give me Jordan Bennington. Yeah, you can pick apart different guys from that group in, in maybe ways that you can't can't with Jordan. So we're on the same page today. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> we're also on the same page when it comes to our love for the Florida Panthers. And Florida mm-hmm. off to a terrific start this season. Uh, they're one of only four teams, Haley, that has a perfect record, meaning they mm-hmm. haven't lost the game at all. Regulation overtime, shootout, what have you. So here's my right. question, Haley. Who's going to be the last team standing? Who's going to be the last <laughs> perfect team? I know this isn't like the NFL. We're not looking for somebody to run the table. But who's going to be the last unbeaten team in the NHL? Is it A, the Florida Panthers, B, the Carolina Hurricanes, C, the Ed- uh, sorry, C, the St. Louis Blues, or D, the Edmonton Oilers? Who's going to be the last team standing perfect this season? Hmm. <sighs> Like, kind of my gut instinct is to say Edmonton um, just because they have a line that can, you know, you, you it's one of the things that Daryl Sutter was saying the other day is you can't outscore your problems. And that was a problem that the Flames were having is, you know, <laughs> the Calgary Flames cannot outscore their issues. The Edmonton Oilers have a line <laughs> that can absolutely outscore any problems that they might be having in a game. And so that's why my gut says Edmonton, because they've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and then they've got a second line that has, um, you know, Jesse Pugliarvi, and, and, or maybe is, is Jesse on the top line now? Anyways, they've got no, no, like six uh, Zach, players. Zach Hyman's up there, right? And he's off to a dynamic start. <laughs> right, and, and they've got five, Zach right? Hyman yeah. and Jesse Pugliarvi and, and Nugent Hopkins. I mean, they've got a legitimate top six um, with – absolute firepower on their top line who can outscore their problems. If they have bad goaltending one game, well, well, Connor McDavid can probably deal with it. Defense is looking pretty bad now. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl can probably deal with it. I think you can – that's one of the things Daryl Sutter said too. He's like, there's very few teams in the league who can outscore their problems, and unless you have a Connor McDavid or a Nathan McKinnon, you can't. And and right now I don't think Nathan McKinnon's back yet. Um, So, you know, I look at these teams, and and I'm not sure. I I guess just – like I said, my guts to say Edmonton, I think um, Carolina is going to face a good Boston team coming up. 
And, I mean, then they've also got Chicago and Arizona, so they could probably realistically lose one of those three, but Boston's the first one. Um, Florida probably has a good chance, but, again, they're going to be facing a good Boston team. Detroit's been playing really well. They only have lost one or two games in regulation. Uh, St. Louis will probably be okay against the Kings. Colorado hasn't been great to start, but, again, that's probably due to in- due to injuries and COVID protocol, et cetera. Um, and the Oilers got Philly and Vancouver. So Oilers probably have the, the toughest schedule of those teams, but the Oilers have just been so dynamic that I'm I'm probably going to go with Edmonton. I'll probably be wrong though. Well, I, but no, but but the <laughs> thing is, Edmonton only plays two games this week, and like you said, yeah, it's right. Philly and Vancouver. But like, look at a team like Florida; they got four games this week, and two of them are against Boston. So the odds that we come back next Monday to do the Athletic Hockey Show in Florida is unbeaten. Ooh, that that looks tough to me because two dates with Boston, four games in total. Odds say that you lose one of those games. Uh, Carolina is interesting, though, because if they can beat Boston, I love their odds against Chicago and Arizona. So yeah. I'll say Carolina yeah. uh, because they get okay. Boston, but it, it's going to be fun. And these are these are four teams that are, I think, off to obviously off to terrific starts. But in the case of, of Florida, I think, and Edmonton probably, there's a real sense of we want to just kind of stake our claim as like an elite team. Like there's been... I think Carolina's mm-hmm. probably put themselves in that conversation already. And St. Louis has got a Stanley Cup in recent enough history where I think we can say, hey, this isn't a mirage. But Florida and Edmonton are teams that, you know, they have had a hard time hanging out at the top and and, and having people believe in them. And I think I think people are absolutely believing in both of them with, uh, with the way they started. But mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take Carolina because they got dates with Chicago and Arizona uh, this week. All right. Last question to wrap up the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, Haley. I'm going to give you four things, okay? Four things. You tell me what's the most surprising thing that has happened to start the NHL season. Is it A, that the Vegas Golden Knights are in last place? Yeah, they're even behind Seattle, okay? So Vegas, last place. Is it B, I looked at the list of everybody leading their team in scoring so far this season. The most surprising name, Kevin Shattenkirk is leading the Anaheim Ducks in scoring. So how about that? Kevin Shattenkirk, with six points, is uh, leading his team in scoring. Is it C, speaking of defensemen? No defenseman in the NHL at the time of this recording has more points in the power play than Tony D'Angelo. That's right. A controversial defenseman for Carolina is leading all defensemen with four power play assists so far this season. Or is it D, Haley? The last three Vezina Trophy winning goalies, Andre Vasilevsky, Connor Hellebuck, and Marc-Andre Fleury, all have save percentages below 900 to start the season. Vasilevsky, Hellebuck, Flurry all have sub 900 save percentages. What is the most surprising thing off of that list? Yeah, I mean, goalies are always difficult to predict, but I've got to say D, um, you know, just because going into the season, you look at a lot of those teams and you say, if you look at everything that we were talking about, we probably looked at Winnipeg, like I really like the Jets. They've got good depth up the middle and they've got Connor Hellebuck, who's a great goalie. And you look at Tampa and they've got Andre Vasilevsky, who's the best goalie in the league. And you look at Marc-Andre Fleury and you look at the Chicago Blackhawks and we were all saying like, wow, did the Blackhawks just get good? Like, what are they going to be with all these additions and Marc-Andre Fleury on the team? Like, are they going to become a contender? Are they going to be on the bubble? Are they going to be that dark horse pick? And for all three of them to to have slow and in bad starts is is pretty surprising to me. Yeah, it is. It's it's nuts. All of them have sub uh, 900 save percentages. So, yeah, I'm with you, but you know what? I'm going to say Tony D'Angelo. I think there was a lot of 
people wondering how he would fare, mm -hmm. what he was going to be like. And four power play assists to start the season, I would say is pretty surprising. And off to a great start. Remember, he basically didn't play last year, right? Mm -hmm. Basically didn't yeah. play for a whole year. And he's off to a great start. So that's, that's going to get my vote. All right, Haley, we'll leave it there. Uh, this was fun. Listen, enjoy. So what does the rest of your week look like? Uh, do you got any more early morning uh, airport trips that we got to be uh, that we got to be worried about and are you setting an alarm already here no i'll be i'll be sleeping properly for the rest of the trip and you know the the flames are in manhattan right now and then you know i just thought you know doing five cities in eight days was going to be a bit too much for me so i came here to to wait it out get some work done do the podcast and then the the flames will be here in pittsburgh and then i'm going to fly back home to calgary and get my dog <laughs> I have a great dog sitter, which is nice, but then I'll, I'll go back to Calgary and, and get back to work there. So nothing nothing crazy. Just going to be here in Pittsburgh for a few days before going back home. Okay. Well, listen, safe travels. We hope when we connect with you next Monday for the Athletic Hockey Show, maybe you've got some more airport tales or, you know, fun <laughs> stories to uh, to share with us. And hopefully, hopefully you get some, like you said, you're going to be getting some good sleeps, but... Uh, yeah. Hopefully you got a, a nice, relaxing rest of your trip. So listen, this was great. We want to thank everybody for listening to this Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Our friends, that's right, there are friends from Team USA. Craig Cousins and John Gentile. I know they don't think that we're their friends, Haley, but, but we look at them in friendly terms. They're going to have David Backus on tomorrow's, mm. on the Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. By the way, Eddie Lack, longtime NHL goalie, is going to uh, join the uh, roundtable show we got going on the Wednesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. We want to remind uh, all of our listeners, too, you can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts, get all the bonus content from our entire network. You can start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just 99 cents a month after that. And on the print side of things, um, you can get an annual subscription to The Athletic and read all of the great coverage from around the sports world for just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. 